passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rwanda Smackdown. Rwanda Smackdown. Rwanda Smackdown. Rwanda Smackdown. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to SmackDown. It's John Pollock and Wei Ting. How are you, Wei? Have you recovered like I have over the past 24 hours? I feel much more um, lively tonight. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel fine. You know, I usually feel fine after doing the shows. I, I'm definitely, I was definitely curious to see, like, what some of the other uh, reactions to the show were besides you you and I. And I, I'm... I'm happy. Oh, everyone to, hated this. I think. Well, I'm happy to see a lot of people like picked up on the same criticisms of like how confusing and how mind-boggling a lot of the decisions made on last night's Raw were. So, so that we weren't just two people on an island. Well, WWE is bringing everybody together. Yeah, you got virtual unity. I'm sure there were some defenders out there, which I just would not be able to deal the, with today. The defenders were more, or more like, oh, wasn't that bad? It's that type of defense. Like, yeah. I guess they're saying it's still bad, but not that bad. Whatever that bad means to you. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's only uh, uh, the tires out on our car. But, I mean, we got three tires. I mean. It's a we'll show I probably would have, like, enjoyed fine if I just turned my brain off. You know, oh, pretty colors, wrestling, people hitting each other. I, I don't think you could. I think that, that, that show was one where it was just so... Like, there's a lot of criticism you can make about WWE, but when it's, like, so many basic, like, storytelling devices that it it was all within the body of the program. It wasn't even as though, oh, like, tonight, for instance, okay? I I could really complain about the fact that Drew McIntyre is helping out Dolph Ziggler when these two were, the last they were involved, uh, the two had had this split up and they were having a cage match blow off. And now six months later, they're back together with no reasoning. Like that stuff, I just expect now. Oh, I don't remember that. Well, there you go. So you can get away with that when, kind of stuff. When was that match? They were paired, and this was around Christmas time. They had a big cage match, and they separated the two. They had like their their falling out after being paired together. So Ziggler was a babyface. Uh, Ziggler was a kind baby, of. I I believe so. 
but okay. they split them up and they had this feud and it went on forever. And now yeah. they, they were just, you know, Drew's helping them out tonight. That stuff, it's just, it comes with the territory now. I expect that stuff to just go unresolved. I mean, we, we have Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon who were buddies for how many months this year. So that kind of stuff you just learn to accept. But Monday, it was just stuff like that very night that it was like, okay, if you sat down with a clean slate and we're just putting together three hours of which no prior show would be judged against these three hours. Like this was just a show that you could see gigantic craters of holes that you could poke through. Yeah, completely. Um, it's it's a show that makes you wonder how, how, how much like maybe slipped through the cracks, you know, something as simple as I think putting the el- elimination rules into the mixed tag match concept, something like that, I feel was a big oversight that probably shouldn't have went on TV. Yes. And maybe my my favorite tweet today, I'm going to try and uh, pull it up here, but it was um, <laughs> OK. This is from uh, Rob Bihari on Twitter at Rob Viper. Friend of the show. Alternate timeline. WCW 1998. Cyclope wins the Battle Royale to the shock of everyone. Unmasks as Dean Malenko. A stunned Chris Jericho beats him in 90 seconds clean. That's good <laughs> shit right there. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine? Like, that to me. How do you screw that one up on Monday? You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that one to me, it's like the most. It's like the easiest. Like, surprise pop slash finish to a wrestling match and that one just floored me feels like maybe they had the idea to do perhaps that traditional thing but then maybe at somewhere along the line they thought oh we can't have shane mcmahon lose we can't have drew mcintyre lose so it's got to be the person who can afford it and i guess in this case it cedric would be the one who could afford it even though um the whole concept behind the match was to basically put him over Seriously, why did they even unmask this guy? Why did we have to reveal it to be Cedric? Like, it should have just been this anonymous guy lost the match to Roman Reigns. Well, by the end, yeah, it would have worked out better for Cedric if nobody had known that it was him under there. But, you know, they did have to answer the mystery by the end of it. I don't think they did. Why do you have to attach a contracted guy to that role as this fool? I mean, it should have just been the actual gimmick that Shane and Drew got to pick someone they of their choosing they pick someone awful and they end up losing the match for Roman like that to me would literally be still bad but not at the level of what they ended up doing it was just yeah that would have been better if, if they weren't going to have uh the baby faces win you know to have a, a non-wrestler take the pinfall cost the match for Roman unfortunately it was Cedric Alexander who was a former cruiserweight champion all right, let's move on. Let's never talk about this episode of Raw until our final show of 2019. What else is going on, Way? What's we didn't the- get your thoughts last night on Spider-Man Far From Home. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Okay, well, uh, spoiler-free. Is, is this going to be spoiler-free? Yes, yes, I think okay. so. It's it's only been out for a week. Okay, that doesn't cross... The, that's That's breaking the rules to talk about what happened in the movie. Uh, well, I mean, I'll, t- I'll tell you that I really enjoyed it and I think I'll probably even enjoy it more on a second viewing. It's that type of movie. So, um, I, th- I thought it was very well done. I thought a great follow up to Endgame, and, uh, I, I really liked a lot of the 
twists. Was the mid credit scene a big pop in the theater? Yes. Yes, it was. It was enormous in mind. As was the end credit scene. Yeah, that one. That was, the mid credit one was larger in my theater than the than the end credit scene. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I yeah. mean, it's planting a lot of great seeds for the next uh, iterations of, of this franchise, which is proving to be like uh, one of Marvel's, obviously it's Spider-Man, but I mean, like as a, as a trilogy, it's shaping up to be perhaps one of its best rivaling Captain America. Yeah. Yeah. What I like about the mid credit scene, and this is not giving away anything, it's that there's a stun part and then it's like a punch to the face at the end. And it was great. I was like, wow, yeah. that, that was a scene. It was one of my more favorite ones. I look forward to talking about it in depth with you at some point. Yeah, this has been a great discussion. Uh, <laughs> vague movie reviews with John and Way. Uh, maybe well, you and I, sh- we should, uh, maybe are, are we allowed to talk about the, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man or has it been uh, not enough decades yet? I, I think, well, that we, we can't talk about, I'm sure. Yeah, but we'll, we'll save that for another time. Um, and I'm sure we'll be talking about Far From Home whenever we get to it, perhaps uh, a year and a half from now with our MCU reviews. Way, I have been noticing that it is the summer season and I'm having a really hard time when I go out. It's so sunny out. I wish I had a snapback hat and I'm wondering if there's any sales going on that might be able to get me a really stylish looking hat and maybe some other apparel. Well, you're in luck, John, because I imagine you, John Pollock are a patron of the post wrestling cafe. Day one, day one. (laughs) That's good to know. Uh, For, for all of our patrons, for the, Next month, from now until August 12th, we are having a G1 summer sale at the Post Wrestling store, store.postwrestling.com. It is the location where we put all of our merchandise on sale, including all of your Post Wrestling t-shirts, combo packs, coffee sleeves that come with those combo packs, and as well, for the first time, we are putting our snapback hats on sale. So 20% off if you're a Post Wrestling Cafe patron. This is probably the best month to join our Patreon. Not only are you getting a bunch of uh, G1 content, uh, but, you know, 20% off of the store. And if you choose, $5 off if you're coming to our post-wrestling live in Toronto show. Awesome. So go check that out. That sale is going on throughout the G1 store.postwrestling.com. This coming week on the site, we have all our regular shows. The British Wrestling Experience will have a new show out on Wednesday. Thursday, we have three great guests joining us on the Cafe Hangout. We're going to be chatting with uh, Court Bauer of MLW. Brandon Doherty, the genius behind the wrestling arcade phenomenon. He's working with Rob Naylor on this book project. Uh, can you tell us a l- little bit more about this way? Well, they started a, a Kickstarter for... A- Basically, I think everybody who listens to us knows by now what Wrestling Arcade is, um, but I, I think this is more of a collection of wrestling's greatest scenes illustrated in 8-bit digital form, the same t- uh, beautiful renderings that you've seen uh, in GIF form uh, for, I would say, years now on Twitter. So we'll be talking to Brendan and Rob about uh, the whole concept behind Wrestling Arcade, uh, their their previous works with, uh, of course, Being the Elite as well as Joey Janela Spring Break, um, and maybe just a bit about, like, you know, uh, wrestling Twitter in general. Awesome. Looking forward to chatting with all three of them. Thursday, we'll have Braden and Davey with Up Next, and then Friday, it's the return of Rewind Away for all members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. It is Rewind Away number 40, and we are going to be reviewing 
Wrestle Kingdom 11 from 2017, headlined by Kazuchika Okada versus Kenny Omega, along with Tetsuya Naito versus Hiroshi Tanahashi for the Intercontinental title, which I was very nervous because come Monday, I had not started this five-hour show, and I have worked very diligently uh, with my schedule to carve out specific times where I just sat down to watch this, and now I'm at the main event. So I'm in good shape right now. I feel when I... When it comes to watching some of these long shows and we've got to do the show at the end of the week, it's the closest I'm ever going to get to a fighter that's cutting weight. And I know how much I've got to do and I've got to pace myself and I can't get distracted and and I've got to hit my mark by a certain time. You're water loading. You're water loading yourself with uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling content before the G1. Yeah, well, when it's Wrestle Kingdom and you got to cut that weight in the week, that means you've, you've not been in ideal shape throughout camp. you got a lot to cut in the final days. Beautiful analogy. Yeah, I I, I just started. Uh, I'm, I just concluded the New Japan Rumble, which I think if you're going back and rewatching the show, you could probably skip. Yes. Yeah, not mandatory viewing. Uh, then on the weekend, it's a crazy weekend. So just cancel all of your plans. Uh, tell your family, you know what, guys, I'm going to have my headphones on all weekend because post wrestling has me covered. Not only are Way and I going to be coming at you with not one, but two G1 podcast. We will be up uh, Saturday and Sunday uh, in the afternoon with reviews of the B Block show on Saturday and the A Block show on Sunday. So those are exclusive to patrons. Uh, You will be getting those bonus podcasts, but the fun doesn't end there. We've got two editions of Cruel Summer out Saturday and Sunday chatting the 2003 and 2004 G1 finals with WH Park. And then into the evening, Saturday night, it's a doubleheader. Way and I are going to be covering Fight for the Fallen, while Braden and Davey are going to be covering Evolve 131. On the Up Next feed. On the Up Next feed, correct. Uh, Way and I will be going live after Fight for the Fallen, so if you are a Double Double, Ice Cap, or Espresso patron, you can watch that show live with us and call in. And then Sunday night, it concludes with Extreme Rules, with Way and I doing another live show on Sunday night, following the show from Philadelphia. A lot of great stuff, and if you want to uh, see Braden and Davey do their review on video, they will probably be streaming it or at least recording it and uploading it in video form to the BDE's YouTube channel. So look for BDE official. With their brand new camera, you watch, it's like they're right there in front of you. It's that good. Yeah, it's crystal clear. All right. Um We don't have a a ton of news to go through. So at the end of our SmackDown review, we're going to preview Extreme Rules because we're probably not going to have time for that on Thursday's Cafe Hangout. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, But a few little news and notes going on. Uh, Kota Ibushi uh, apparently suffered an ankle injury on Saturday in Dallas during the match with Kenta. Uh, he did not say state when it happened, but I think everyone can narrow in on that Pescado to the floor when Kenta throws the kick and Kota starts grabbing his ankle. And when you watch it, you just feel like Kenta maybe missed the mark because he was supposed to hit the ankle or something. Looks like Kota just, he messed up his ankle. I don't know if it's a sprain or what it is, but he was stated, like he showed a photo of it and it's all swollen and bruised and said that on Tuesday, he was able to walk 100 steps. And on Wednesday, his goal is to walk 200 steps and then he's got to work on Saturday and Sunday and Monday. A terrible time to be injured. I mean, you know, uh, it, it, we are in the midst of G1 now. The first block, uh, first night of matches are, are over. So um, 
if he were to be taken out of this tournament, one of the top stars, um, it, it would be a major headache. It would be a major headache, I'm sure, for anybody who entered any sort of pool for the G1 who might have chosen Kota Ibushi to win a block or even the whole tournament. So, um, There's uh, no way. There's no way this is going to take him out. This guy's going to just go, I guarantee you. And we're going to watch him on the weekend and be amazed at what well, this guy does on this. Me- like, an ankle injury sucks, but it's it's not like it's, you know, like a partial ligament tear or or something that is going to that be. That we know of. Well, uh, that, I mean, we, that we know of. You're right. Right. So, uh, you know, chances are I agree with you. I think because it's Kota Ibushi and because I think there's a lot riding on, on all these G1 performances, I don't see him uh, being taken out of the tournament either. But if I was New Japan... I don't know if I'd put him in a tag match on the undercard of this upcoming Saturday show. Let if he's pass. having any trouble getting away around, he should not be in that tag on Saturday. That's an easy replacement. He's got evil on Sunday. And, and, and I would work the match around the injury so that it's just incorporated into the story. That you don't have to be doing all your high flying. It's, it's a known injury and you work around it. Yeah, yeah, it would work out. Perhaps maybe even part of the reason why he tweeted it out, but... I, I, I expect to see him, and I hope he we get a full full 100% Kota Ibushi for the rest of the tournament. Uh, AEW has announced that Chris Jericho, we knew he was going to be part of Fight for the Fallen, but given that uh, we were just a couple days out and no match was announced, I don't think anyone was expecting him in a match. And what they are promoting is that he is going to be given a live microphone, and you have no idea what he's going to say. Well, I love it. I think it's great. I mean, it's it'll probably be 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 his and Hangman Page's last public appearances before uh, their title match at All Out. And I like that they're saving Chris Jericho's appearances for their big shows because he is the the biggest star in the company at the time uh, for the time being. And I think his uh, appearances should be kept special. But I like the idea that even him cutting a promo is is a detraction. So. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely the the right thing to do. I'm looking forward. What if, to it. What if the lights go out? His music plays, and there's a cardboard cutout of him in the ring for 20 minutes. That would be interesting too. Um, you know, there are people like John's referring to the canceled Starcast appearance, of course, uh, where Chris Jericho was replaced himself with a cardboard cutout. There are people that stuck around. I feel for like for a good 10 minutes. Dude, fight fight feed just showed it for the whole time. Yeah. And it wasn't until like Matt Stryker told people like kick people out that they would leave, but like, um, no, nah, I mean, I, I, I don't think he'll pull off a stunt like that. Did you hear Booker T's reason for removing himself from Starcast? I did. I saw. I read it in your update today. It's a very strange story. So, Conrad and Starcast they announced Booker T for Labor Day weekend. He was going to be doing a meet and greet. And then Booker T last week announced that he would not be at StarCast as previously advertised. So today he explained that he received, he did StarCast back in Las Vegas in May. And then he showed the screenshot of his text message uh, exchange with Conrad Thompson. And on June 10th, Conrad sent him a message stating, are you available to do meet and greet on August 31st? And they agreed to it. He was advertised. And he had made the decision after StarCast 2 that as a WWE guy, he was not going to do any more StarCasts. So when he got this message from Conrad, he did not realize that he was being booked for StarCast. I don't know what other convention you would associate with Conrad Thompson, especially on Labor Day weekend. Um, 
But that was his story, that he thought he didn't realize he was being booked for StarCast, and he insisted that WWE had nothing to do with his removal from the convention. Right, right. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's plausible, definitely plausible, that um, he didn't realize August 31st and Conrad Thompson that this show would be <laughs> for StarCast. Like, do- what has Conrad Thompson ever, pro- ever promoted outside of StarCast? Like, he's never done um, any of these conventions. Like, know. the guy is, to me, like, synonymous with StarCast, and you just worked with this guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I find it a little bit tougher to believe now because I know Booker T is somebody who, with the podcast, is keeping very up-to-date with everything going on in wrestling. So I'm sure he knows full well that All Out is happening, probably knows that it's on that weekend, but I don't know, maybe it slipped his mind. You know, like, in the end, if if he says that WWE had nothing to do with it, I... I sure whatever like what does it matter so no Booker T at StarCast and uh, one final thing here way I'm always looking for the MMA fight that is going to bring you back and just capture I'm in imagination I know what you're about to say I'm in Campbell McLaren uh the founder of Combate Americas has announced that later this year Tito Ortiz versus Alberto Del Rio and MMA fighting has uh, confirmed this fight. And yeah, it looks to be happening later this year. 42-year-old Alberto Del Rio against Tito Ortiz, fresh off his uh, vindication against Chuck Liddell last November uh, for Golden Boy MMA one and done. Yeah. How? Uh, <laughs> well, listen, like, I mean, I feel like, you know, in Tito Ortiz's uh, recent career, um, it feels like every match this guy and has is sort of like, I don't know if you would. I don't know if the term is freak show fight or not at this point. But um, they're they're all publicity stunts. I would say that's that's what they're doing here. Yeah. I, I will Alberto fight in the mask. I don't think so. I mean, not now. He is. He's 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 old. He sounds like he's fighting as Alberto. Is he doing? Is he El Patron now? Because like in all, I think, the, I think he has to be El Patron. Yeah, because like in in all like the the stories, it's people list him as Del Rio, but I don't think he owns the name. So, um, but I, I, I'm actually very curious not to really see Tito, but to see what Alberto El Patron, uh, looks like as an MMA fighter now, several years removed from his last MMA fight. Um, and to have Tito Ortiz be the opponent next to him, I think, uh, is really interesting. Really interesting. No no date, no location have been announced yet. And I think it'll be interesting where this takes place if they do this in Mexico, uh, because if they were to do it in California, they received a lot of criticism for sanctioning Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell that I wonder if the California State Athletic Commission would be at all leery of sanctioning this fight after the performance that Chuck Liddell had where that guy had no business fighting last year. Right. And looking at uh, Alberto Del Rio's MMA career, his last MMA fight was in 2010. Uh, yes. He's got a career of not or a record of nine and five. So, you know, it's. Can you break it down for us, John? If you, if you were to basically think about it right now, how, what do you think this match would look like? I think this would be Alberto El Patron, who has probably not done any kind of competitive wrestling in a decade that would be lit up by Tito and probably taken down with ease and finished. I would say 
at most, this would get into the second round. I feel Tito Ortiz is going to. This is one guy that I would feel confident Tito is going to run through. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I would probably um, agree with your analysis. But the thing about MMA is, you never really know. You never know until like the the fight actually occurs. So there's at least from my perspective still a a lot of curiosity. Am I am I curious enough to spend however much money they're probably going to be charging for it? I'm not sure about that, but um, I I will be interested to see the result. It may be on DAZN. Like they have that deal with DAZN. It might be on there. Right. Okay. So that's that's going to be happening later this year. Postwrestling.com is where you can get all the other uh, news and notes. There's no raw number out today because of the uh, 4th of July holiday. So all of that is uh, delayed. Smackdown on Tuesday night took place from Manchester, New Hampshire. And we started off with a video from earlier in the day of Dolph Ziggler arriving at the arena. And he was interviewed by Kayla Braxton and called Kevin Owens a worthless tub of excuses playing off of their... Uh, team and then dissolution last week and he carried Owens on his back just like he's carried this company and then Kevin Owens pulls up in a car honking his horn repeatedly and gets out making fun of Ziggler's promos and all his silly catchphrases and they have to be separated Shane shows up and announces that their main event that was scheduled with Owens and Ziggler is now off as he has told Owens to leave the building and in this whole skirmish Owens got busted up in the mouth he was bleeding yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess they they would make call it this, snug, brother. <laughs> I guess they would call this what fortunate juice or lucky juice or whatever. Um, I thought it was a way to start the show off hot, you know, much like we saw. Not this segment was better than anything on Raw. Oh, completely. But you know, like how we saw last week on Raw that LED board uh, breaking down. Of course, not anything anything to that level. But I think any type of idea to start the show off with a bit of a surprise in this case. Having a, a, I guess, a brawl in the, in the parking lot that ultimately eliminated the announced main event to the show, I thought was something different. I liked it. And I thought it made sense because Owens was the one who instigated. Therefore, he's the one who kicked out. Already, the show was off to a much better start than last night. So we cut to a live shot with Sarah Schreiber interviewing Shane McMahon, who defends his decision to cancel this main event. And he's got some ideas for a new main event. And then Kevin Owens shows up at ringside and he grabs the microphone and he's got a live mic and he says Shane needs to hear the truth. He tried to be a good guy and it didn't get him anywhere in this company. The McMahon said months ago they were going to let the fans be the authority and the only result has been Shane McMahon getting more TV time than anyone. Nobody wanted that and it makes him sick when Shane McMahon calls himself the best in the world. And Shane comes out, he instructs for the microphone to be cut, so he loses his audio, but then Owens gets a second microphone, and he says it's an insult to everyone in the locker room when Shane calls himself the best in the world, again the mic gets cut, so he gets on Tom Phillips' headset and says that Shane is taking away television time from Apollo Crews, Buddy Murphy, Asuka, Kyrie Sane, and then he storms out through the audience as Shane gets on the mic and says, in your language, au revoir. <laughs> this was a tremendous segment by, and I guess our updated feud between, uh, as I have dubbed it, Austin and McMahon. <laughs> That's great. I like it. Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed this opening segment. Like this to me was 
the rehabilitation Kevin Owens needed so badly. It cemented him in this babyface role, and they let him talk, which I feel he has not been able to cut a promo like this in over a year. And it was just refreshing to get a promo like this from Kevin Owens. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I still find it kind of hard to accept the sudden baby face turn after just seeing him teaming up with Zayn, being very heelish just the week, two weeks prior. But I, I almost don't care how they got there at this point because I think Owens doing this anti-authority character uh, was really entertaining here. His role essentially now is to voice the audience's criticisms of what this product is right now. Except now, this week, the fall guy isn't Baron Corbin. It's Shane McMahon. So um, it's kind of what you've seen uh, a lot with heel GMs. Uh, but I think if it means Kevin Owens getting a new try as perhaps a bigger role in a babyface form, I'm for it. I think he's very talented. And uh, the the way the show started, I thought, was really hot. Yeah, I, I think that it's it's not a clean picture, but you can almost justify that here's a guy who he has all this history. We know he hates Shane McMahon, but... He was also a kiss-ass that was just trying to get ahead by endearing himself to the McMahons. And that didn't work. He got left off WrestleMania. Fuck it. He is, he is out of patience of waiting his turn. And now he can be his unfiltered self with Are, his disapproval of Shane McMahon. Are we coming to realize that Kevin Owens' babyface turn took place on the Lillian Chasing, Garcia's podcast? The yes. Chasing Glory podcast with Lillian Garcia. Yes. Wow. Okay. That, yeah. that should be that that should be the storyline is that they play some clips of that and he's now uh going to get less television time because he spoke out in the media about the company and his role. The media, yes. And then and then uh Shane can say you know how we deal with people that have unflattering things to say about us on podcasts. Damn. So Kevin Owens afterwards he is uh Exits the arena and, in theory, had left the building. Finn Balor versus Shinsuke Nakamura was next. Non-title match. Nakamura did a inset promo stating, no more tag team. So that was it. That was the breakup of Nakamura and Rusev. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, by the end, they weren't much of a tag team anyway. I... I can't really tell you much of what they accomplished beyond just like filling airtime. If there's a tag team that like somebody needed to beat that week. Um, I, I can't say it was really that great of a run and that I'll miss that tag team at all. In fact, I missed Nakamura as a singles competitor. So, and this promo was all he really needed. Like you only had nine words here. No more tag team. Me alone. I strike fear. Good. Like brief, mysterious. It's, it's exactly what I think he needs. Balor had his own promo. He's known Nakamura for 15 years. He's an artist capable of painting a picture of chaos. But tonight he's desperate to get his career back on track, but not at his expense. I appreciate the chaos reference. I thought that was quite clever to whoever scripted that. That is true. Um, yeah. But man, uh, I feel bad for the person who had to write the rest of this promo because they, they had to like forcefully jam artist extraordinary in yes. here. Just uh, like <laughs> something you would read on the back of an action figure box, you know. But um, Finn Balor tried to do his best with it, I guess. Yeah. Maybe maybe he could have ended the promo by saying, Tonight, Shinsuke, my anger 
is going to come to a climax. Ooh. And then ended, gee, that's really clever. They go to a break. They come back. Uh, Nakamura's in control. His Kinshasa gets stopped with a sling blade, and Balor goes to the top and gets knocked down. There's a running knee to the ribs, and then Nakamura hits a flying knee off the turnbuckle, sending Balor to the floor, and he's run into the post in the barricade, and Nakamura hits him with a Kinshasa on the floor, but Balor's able to get back in at the count of nine. Nakamura then dumps him back to the floor and into the steps with a head kick, and then he goes back into the ring, and again Balor returns at nine, but... In getting into the ring, he lays prone for a Kinshasa, and Nakamura hits it and pins the champion in the non-title match. You know, you and I haven't been very positive about too many matches in this kind of a commercial break era of uh, or anti-commercial break era of WWE programming. But I thought this was good. You know, for the for the time that they had on TV, I thought they told a simple story of well, Nakamura. Wait a minute, you and I are praising how they handled the commercial in Canada. This was done the old way where we just went to a break without some stupid reasoning for it. And we just came back like normal. So maybe that's why I, I'm praising it so much. They forfeited they, like in Canada. It, they didn't do anything special for it in the right. U S they got to see the whole thing. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's why I liked it so much because they didn't <laughs> have to do any bullshit. So like, you know, reset, uh, it was strictly, you know, picture in picture, a full match, at least to the people that, you know, saw saw the whole thing. But even to me, not having seen the middle of it, I feel like I got a full, complete type of uh, experience rather than something so, I don't know, uh, just staggered. But I thought the story was really simple. It was just Nakamura wanting to, to basically trying everything he can to win via countout, like the coward that he is, which is, I think, a very different approach from your typical WWE, rather formulaic match. I thought it made Nakamura look pretty uh, menacing. In the end, he got the clean win anyway. He, like, you know, not only multiple times managed to uh, do the uh, whatever video game thing of, like, attacking the guy and then almost beating him. But once the guy came in, he hit his finisher and won, I would say, relatively clean over against uh, Finn Balor. So I thought, you know, this was a great reintroduction to Shinsuke Nakamura. If anything, I feel like the hiatus almost helped him. It kind of allowed you to forget maybe the lackluster run he had prior to this. It it almost made me miss him a little bit. So I feel like if this is his uh, uh, turn to be taken more seriously, this was a good start. Yeah, I thought this was a really good match. I mean, it, it, you know, not to overhype it or anything like that, but I thought it was a, a really TV good match. It was, it was well done. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it as a TV match. I would like to see them continue this program, and it certainly breathed some life into Nakamura, who has just been flatlining the last few months. Yes. Shane was with Drew McIntyre and Elias. They said that uh, Reigns, uh, they had him where they wanted, and then they had that mishap with Cedric Alexander. But Drew has to point out that they still won the match. And then Shane recalled, yes, we did. Yeah, I I guess ultimately the idea was that, like, because Cedric got a number of um, hits onto Shane and Elias and nearly cost them the match, they're treating it. Like, like, uh, what is it? Roman's treating it like it was some type of moral victory. But I, because the match was so brief, with only two minutes, like, it was only two minutes long, it did not come across that way at all. It just came across like, these these baby faces are kind of idiots. Yeah, so, I, I'm waiting for that UFC post-fight presser where the guy that lost by knockout says, yeah, but I did, get it, I did get some punches in before the two-minute knockout. Yeah. Ziggler walks in 
and he's upset with Shane for canceling the match with Kevin Owens. Shane calls Owens a cancer, and Shane puts Ziggler into the main event tonight against Roman Reigns, and the three of them will be out with Ziggler in his corner. And Dolph likes this idea. And this was where you you might have had issue with, with the Ziggler and McIntyre lack of... Uh, it was more so... I didn't even think about it at this point. It was when, in the main event, uh, Drew was, like, helping up Ziggler. And I remembered that the last time these two were involved, they had this feud together, and it ended with Drew killing Dolph and sending him off TV. Short-term memory, man. Well, that's it. I mean, it was six months ago, so I guess it's... Especially with Dolph Ziggler. Like, who could keep track of this guy's, like, babyface or heel turns? They aired a video package for Kofi Kingston and Samoa Joe. And then Joe did a tape promo. He said last week he showed compassion and offered clemency to Kingston and his loved ones. And he knew Kofi would not take it because he's everything that he said he was. He sees the hustle behind what Kofi does. He's going to beat him down to the bare essence of what he is and then put him to sleep and take the WWE Championship. And this was our only involvement with Joe tonight. Yeah, yeah. Joe nor Kofi had matches. They both just uh, cut promos. But, you know, again, this was the the level of quality you would expect from Samoa Joe. I think he's one of the few in this entire roster who could actually come across as scary and intimidating. So um, I do feel like, you know, they peaked last week with this program with that excellent uh, in-ring back and forth. Uh, this week, it was just more like a reminder, hey, this match is happening. So as a result, I don't know if it's a necessarily a match or feud that feels that hot. Um, and I don't know how many people look at it seriously, like Samoa Joe has a chance to to beat Kofi Kingston. Um, but it's a match I'm looking forward to nonetheless. Yes, we'll go over this in our preview of where they go with this. Kayla then brought in Nikki Cross and Bailey for the contract signing. Uh, have you heard about Kayla's interview on Lillian Garcia's podcast this week? I have not. It is. I, I've only seen like notes on it. I haven't heard it. It sounds like this woman had the most awful childhood you can imagine. It's just heartbreaking. The Damn. what she endured. So yeah, it's uh listen to it for yourself, but it sounds like, man, she really kind of bared her soul on this podcast. Well, I will be subscribing to Chasing Glory with Lillian Garcia, a show that I have not paid that much attention to until recently. So, cool. Bailey then noted that, um, sorry, Kayla brought in Nikki Cross and Bailey uh, to the ring for the contract signing. Bailey said that Alexa didn't show up again and says that her and Nikki are alike. Because when Bailey showed up, she too was starstruck and got manipulated and learned quick and therefore became a champion all by herself. Cross says that Bailey attacked her unprovoked last night, and that's the real Bailey coming through. Bailey asks, "Is it okay? Uh, are you okay with helping somebody else win the women's title?" And she said that everything on Sunday she will do in order to keep her title. And asks, "What is going to happen when Alexa loses and blames you, Nikki, for that loss?" And Cross proclaims that they are going to be co-champions together which I think was the key line of the segment. And then Nikki signed the contract and told her to watch her match with Carmella next. So my question is, how can this match go forward without Alexa's signature? Well, she's her agent. You know, Nikki is signing on both of the. Did Nikki have the power of attorney here? I think so. That's the, that's the assumption. Yeah. My question is when they become co-champions, are they going to cut that belt in half? 
Yeah, we're going to have three women's titles. Yeah. On two shows. Well, like Lake Cool, remember? I, I kind of liked having that line in there because, like, I feel like Alexa could win this and she is not going to share this with Nikki Cross. And that starts the seeds of dissension between these two. Because and she then, she added that in there, I feel like that's probably the direction they're going to go. We're also, I think that line was so blatantly, th- that was like the major line of this entire thing was Nikki under the belief that they'll be co-champions together instead of uh, where it was set up on Monday that she's just trying to help Alexa win the title. Yeah, and if that's the case, I mean, it it almost kind of feels like Bailey's role in this whole thing really was just more as a side character to a bigger story between Alexa and Nikki Cross, which you know for a Bailey championship run might be seen as a little bit disappointing. But that they could also maybe not have uh, the title switch and just continue with a Bailey championship run. They did not really make too many allusions to um, Bailey having somebody in her corner on this episode. No, none of that was brought up. I mean, it's, you know, it is, it's set up that, you know, if you were to do some kind of, you know, two-on-one attack at this pay-per-view, um, that you could do that. But certainly that wasn't alluded to at all. Like, it was much more heavy-handed on Monday. Yeah, so do you still believe we'll get a Sasha Banks on Sunday? My gut says no. The opening is there, but I'm not sensing it's going to happen on Sunday. Why did they mention it then on Monday? If you... Uh, you know what? They it could be uh something to involve Charlotte in this. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Like she's kind of been on the sidelines with nothing. Um she could be Bailey's friend that comes to her rescue. Cause she's got nothing going on and she's gonna need something for SummerSlam. Sure. So, yeah. I don't know. So Nikki Cross and Carmella, very quick match. Uh Cross yelled to Bailey, This is on you. And then Carmella slapped her. Uh, Carmella got an inside cradle and then was caught with the spinning neckbreaker. Three and a half minutes, Nikki gets the win. I thought it was 50-50 she was going to win this match. I wasn't quite sure. Carmella? This, no, Nikki. This was, oh, oh well, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought, this is SmackDown. Nikki could very well lose going into this pay-per-view on Sunday. But uh, amazingly, logic prevailed here. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, that loss was just, how silly is that? In foresight and hindsight. Completely made no sense. I don't know why the match needed needed to even take place. I don't even remember who did she even lose to last week. Ba- it was Bailey. 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 Yeah. Right. 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 Yes. Like that it wasn't just. It was like the ultimate destination for for this whole thing. Then I was shocked. I thought this was never going to be acknowledged again. But Kyrie Sane and Oscar's win at Sumo Hall was referenced. It happened two weeks ago. They defeated the Iconics, and now they are going to get their tag title match. It ended with Sane pinning Peyton Royce with the insane elbow. So the Iconics are walking out of the women's locker room, and there are Paige and the Kabuki Warriors. They want their title match tonight, but they can't because Billy Kay is sick with mad cow flu disease. Mad cow bird flu disease. Oh, mad cow bird flu disease. Cause, That's cause terrible. Because one said mad cow, the other said bird flu. So, Mert, mad cow bird flu disease. Yeah. Paige says all they've done since WrestleMania is run and make excuses. They are overrated clowns. And then she just slapped the shit out of Billy Kay and said the match is coming. Well, that's how you get things done in the WWE. You just slap people. Slap people, yeah. I enjoyed this. I thought this was the most comfortable Paige sounded as a mouthpiece for the Kabuki Warriors since they formed together. Um, she did a good job here catching the audience up on the story because we we haven't seen any of these people for the longest time. Uh, and here she just set, set up the challenge for the match. 
the iconics i think as always are, are very funny and very entertaining but unfortunately this run has been almost non-existent in ring the backstage skits are great but i think they can only hold people's attention for so long so it feels like SummerSlam is when, when we're going to get this match and um i i hope it's relatively straightforward win for the uh, kabuki warriors i feel this is just going to be a tv match i can't see them holding off on this for another month plus but we'll see uh they promoted uh espn the magazine with becky lynch and allison brie on the cover which is out later this week sarah schreiber interviewed roman reigns and he said the obstacles keep come or sarah asked about the obstacles that keep coming and if tonight's match will have an effect at Extreme Rules, Roman said that these nights are what made his career, and Ziggler isn't ready for them. And this Sunday, him and Undertaker are going to do their thing in the ring, and they're going to rest in, and he made the peace sign. <laughs> rest in peace. Yes. So That, that was something. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, he, he, he did rest in peace in the Roman Reigns way. So, uh, so cool. Then we had a production slip up here. The New Day's music played, and then it cut because they forgot Biggie has to do his intro first. Yes. Yes. A little early. Oh, boy. So, Biggie and Xavier Woods come out. Biggie thought he was having a different type of three way on Sunday and said they can all touch their championship tips together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they could fist too. Do all that and do everything together. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, no one's claimed that fisting pose yet. Yeah. Brian comes out with Rowan, cuts a promo about New Day making jokes about three ways and tips. When New Day wins the titles, no one, uh, when New Day win the tag titles, nobody takes them seriously. Xavier Woods comes back and makes fun of all the people Rowan has taken orders from, and it's hard keeping track of who his daddy is, which led to a chant. Brian calls them ignorant, says they deflect true criticism with humor, but says they are great athletes and have had some of the best tag matches in WWE history, but they never escape the middle of the card. They're comedy acts, and them winning would be the worst thing for the tag division. And then he corrects himself. The only thing worse would be heavy machinery winning the tag titles and walking around like hot piles of garbage. And out hot, came the hot, hot piles of garbage that uh, spe- spew methane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he kept going here. That spew methane. So um, the uh, HPOGSMG came out next. Tucker and Otis. <laughs> and they, Tucker. Jesus Christ, this guy needs to just hand the microphone over to Otis. Hey. He said, "Yes, Go Brian on. and Rowan, we took you to the limit at stomping grounds, and we have earned our way back into this match. And then Otis shakes his hips, proclaiming themselves the next WWE Tag Champions, and then said, there's no party like a blue-collar party. And thus we got our first S-Club 7 reference. Was this what that was? There ain't no party like an S-Club party. Yes, I know, but is that not a term that that has been used even before S-Club? No, it's nothing predated S-Club. Got it, okay. (laughs) This is exclusive to them. Got it, okay. Maybe it's a term from the Bible, but S-Club made it popular. Yeah, Bible, S-Club, yeah. Yeah. Both, yeah, okay. 
I, you know, I thought everybody with the, with the speaking role did well here, including Tucker, who I think, you know, everybody, mm-hmm. of course, talks about Otis as the personality of the team. But I thought Tucker here showed why he's an essential part of the package, because he's the guy who actually has to cut the promo, whereas Otis almost just kind of like, you know, he's almost like the hype man here, just to accentuate something that Tucker says in sort of like his, you know, very um, weird way. Um, I think you need Tucker there to cut the regular promo. He's almost just like the straight man. He is the straight man in the whole, in the whole package. So um, I also thought Brian, you know, as always, I think he seems to be the only one who seems to completely understand how to promote wrestling here, continues to lift up all of his opponents at any opportunity while at the same time expressing an intense desire to keep his championship. So I, I thought the whole segment was well done. The three-way was Daniel Bryan, Xavier Woods, and Otis. Uh, Bryan immediately bailed to the floor and didn't want to engage. Otis hit a double vertical suplex onto Woods and Bryan later on in the match that everyone reacted big to. Tucker and Big E then worked together as Rowan tried to give them a double iron claw slam, and they shoved Rowan over the desk, and everything fell apart. The ring broke, uh, the officials had to come out, and they had to reset the match after the break. Yeah, yeah. We got a match reset. Needed three minutes, yeah. Woods landed a missile dropkick on Brian. Otis hit his spinning scoop slam, caterpillar onto Brian, and then Woods got hit with a press slam into a gut bust, or sorry, press Brian into the air into a gut buster, and then Otis lifted up Woods into the air into a slam, and Otis pinned Woods to go into Extreme Rules on Sunday. I thought the three-way worked here. I did so as well I, I thought all three did really well everybody had a decent chance to shine um they did a good job putting the focus on otis i thought that double suplex was really impressive looking and the caterpillar at this point is really over so i think otis is definitely getting gaining a ton of traction ember moon was in catering there's just something about that catering set that automatically takes my um takes my desire to watch this programming down a few notches just nothing ever good happens in catering. She is approached by DeVille and Rose. Drake Maverick was hiding under the table as well. Oh, was he? Oh, I missed yeah. that. Yeah, okay. that was that was all he did on the show. That was his whole role in uh, New Hampshire tonight. Uh, Rose tells Ember, this isn't Twitter where she can troll people. This is real life. And Moon said, I beat your ass last week. And DeVille gives Rose a look and says... That loss brought them closer and challenged Moon to go find a partner next week, but it might be hard for you to find a partner. And Moon says, that'll be fine. I'll just face you two on my own if that's the case. Yeah. Um, so they showed up to TV this week just to eat. Right? Many people do that in <laughs> WWE, it's just especially on meal. SmackDown. Yeah. Um, yeah, whatever. It's like, it's a, it's, it's a high school feud. It's like a two high school bullies ganging up on weird goth kid, weird vampire kid. So it's, it, uh, maybe it appeals to that demographic. I think the match should be okay. Who do you think it'll be that moon finds? Um, is she limited to people in catering? Buddy Murphy. Um, she might have to look outside catering even. Well, we know Liv Morgan hasn't been doing anything. Uh, Sarah Logan just made her reappearance. Wouldn't the wouldn't the 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 Moon Girl pair well with the Werewolf Girl? Sarah Logan. 
Oh, okay. Isn't like, she a Ember wolf? Moon is the werewolf girl. Okay, yeah. no, she, dude, there's a wolf. She's the 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 the, weird, the real wolf, the wolf in the wilderness, and then you have the werewolf. Okay, yeah. Why not? Sure. <laughs> Sounds like a pairing from the heavens. Moon and Logan. Moon. Okay. All right. The countdown to SmackDown begins now. <laughs> Ali cut a promo again outdoors. Same style as the other ones. He says, when you see evil, you're supposed to run. But he runs towards it. Um, I wonder, is Kotabushi going to be running towards evil on Sunday or away? With that ankle. He's not going to be running anywhere. Yeah, it'll be limping towards evil. He says, it's not because he is not afraid. He has plenty of fears. But evil can only win when the good stand by and watch it. And he saw evil as a police officer... Even among those that swore to fight it, evil only wins when you don't show up to fight. And that is the message to those dealing with their own evil. I can't watch these segments now without hearing like, um, like, uh, uh, John Williams track underneath, like the superhero. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like a, like an Avengers like theme. Yes. Yeah. I think we need like an orchestra underneath all these promos. They tried that. Like they tried to really dress up like these promos with with music and also like the the cheesy B roll. I like them better like this. Um, I'm the I'm B, the B roll. I did not like. Yeah, I'm such a fan of these. I don't know how much they do for like anyone else. Um, I don't really hear people talk about these segments all that much. But to me, consistently, they are some of the best promos on WWE TV. Um, I think they aren't just like full of great delivery. Um, but they feel like they're the words of a genuine adult human being with something to say, not somebody who has to, you know, recite awkward lines, fitting in catchphrases or nicknames. He actually has like interesting thoughts here. He almost, he got a little bit political, even talking about seeing corruption in the police force when he served to me, it's like a sophisticated level of like thought that you rarely see on main roster WWE TV. So I continue to, to just love these. I like that. They're just different styles of promos that they're experimenting with and feel comfortable having guys do like, yeah, some, some promos that take place in catering. Um, and then others that feel like they're actually real. (laughs) Alistair Black is on a split screen with an empty chair. Must I go any further? Michael Cole, or sorry, Tom Phillips, notes that both sides have signed the contract for extreme rules, but the opponent is choosing not to identify themselves, which prompts laughter from Alistair Black. I applaud you. It's really, really smart. But I don't care anymore who this is. And with that, a mysterious man walks into the shot around the empty chair. And he walks around, and he's playing musical chairs by himself. And he sits down, and there he is, Mr. Cesaro, with his mouth guard on. And he says, Alistair Black, I'm the one that knocked on your door because I'm here to pick a fight with you. And Alistair Black, uh, emoting is this man's skill. Mr. 
Cesaro. On Sunday, I am going to fight you. (laughs) I wanted this to get like really deep. And I wanted the chair to be his opponent on Sunday. And see this guy cut a promo on a chair. Cesaro's fine. But man, this is like the weirdest character on WWE. That more so than Bray Wyatt. It's Aleister Black. It's been strange because we've seen the evolution throughout the, the, the months now at this point. He started off like as this kind of like pretty, you know, like cool, dark, brooding goth kid from NXT. And then all of a sudden, like, he just started to like turn into this, this like over the top comic book, like super villain um, to the point where it's become like laughably over the top. Like I'm talking like Matt Hardy, broken Matt Hardy type of over the top. Uh, but who knows? Maybe it'll work for him. Um, do you think this was originally the plan? Um, I don't know what the original plan was. Um, he's been like working with ju- Orton on the house shows, has he not? Yeah, which seemed like that would be like this feels like an introductory opponent for Black to just kind of beat. So I don't know if he rush to Orton for that role so quick. Um, that maybe they save Orton for you know maybe his his next. Like I'm I'm not expecting. A program out of this i'm expecting black to just beat this guy well at the same time like cesaro feels like he's been doing something with no way jose i don't know how how deep <laughs> that was supposed to go or if that was just all all, all a, a distraction so that you wouldn't think that he was the alistair black guy um i'm not sure i'm not sure but you know i'll say i i in ring it's a match i'm definitely looking forward to um cesaro and alistair black no doubt he needs to alistair black needs to win this one though we get a close-up of Shelton Benjamin, and he is asked if Dolph Ziggler can beat Roman Reigns and prove it should be him. And his eyes go all over the room, and then he says, well, but he is not miked, and he just walks off. Yeah. I take back what I said. This is the weirdest character in WWE next to Aleister Black. Yeah, I do think so. <laughs> but I'm intrigued. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I per- hey, if if you're telling me whether I I would prefer this or like, you know, take X generic, you know, uh, promo from a WWE babyface or heel, um, talking about the same shit. Like all of Drew McIntyre's promos lately to me have been incredibly generic, and I can't tell you like what you know really what he says after any of them, other than like, just it's the same like empty threats, and then that's it. This is at least something different. Kayla was with Kofi Kingston and asked him about his controversial hand gesture to Samoa Joe last week. And Kofi says that nothing Joe says or does can affect his mindset and he will do anything to get inside his opponent's head. And in turn, Kofi got into Joe's head last week and then hit him with the trouble in paradise. Joe could be his toughest challenge to date, but beating him will put him on the road to being one of the greatest champions of all time. Mm-hmm. That was all. During the commercial break, they announced that the uh, SummerSlam weekend in Toronto. I know a lot of people were asking about the fan access that I believe had been like promoted when they first announced SummerSlam. Uh, they are not going to be doing access, but in its place are going to be all these meet and greets at the Metro Toronto Convention Center, along with your favorite, the Superstore. 
So you can buy all your merchandise. So that's going to be going on SummerSlam weekend with all these different meet and greet sessions that they'll be doing that weekend. All right. And they are expensive. How much? I think like the, the top VIP signings are like 500 bucks. Damn. Yeah. Roman Reigns and Dolph Ziggler was the main event. Shane McMahon came out with Drew and Elias and Shane was on commentary. And Shane notes that they tried to pull a fast one on us last night with Cedric Alexander, but it didn't work. Reigns hit the drive-by and then got distracted by Elias, allowing Drew to shove him into the post. And Ziggler took over here, shoved Reigns into the barricade, then got caught with a Samoan drop. Jumping DDT gets blocked. Reigns fires back with clotheslines. He hit Elias with a Superman punch on the apron, allowing Ziggler to hit a zigzag for a near fall. Reigns came back with a Superman punch. Ziggler kicked out of that. Reigns called for the spear, but this is when Drew McIntyre pulled his former enemy to safety on the floor, and Reigns dove over the top rope onto Elias, Drew, and Ziggler, taking them out. Crowd was into this. Shane got into the ring, distracted Reigns, allowing Ziggler to super kick Reigns and on the floor, and then Kevin Owens returned and hit Shane with a stunner and then ran out through the crowd. So Shane was taken care of. Reigns then blocked a zigzag, speared Ziggler, and pinned him, and they were clearly against the clock because as soon as that three count was hitting, they had the trademark sign up, and this show was off the air. The signature went up even before the pinfall began. It was really... They, they have never cut it this close, uh, as I can recall, to get off the air. Yeah, yeah, it was certainly a bit of a rush. Um, but I thought it was, you know, it was a decent, maybe average main event, I guess is, is what I would say. But considering with the fare we've been getting lately... I think average is might as well be like five stars. This was f good. This was good. Uh, it's unfortunate that, you know, with a rush ending like this, there's no real time to digest the win for Roman. So therefore, no real lasting image of him, you know, being uh, on top. All that momentum gained from this match before the pay-per-view. Um, so overall, we might be judging this one on a curve, but SmackDown, by sheer fact that everything made sense, I thought was miles better than Raw. We had some good matches even. I thought that the build for the tag team title match was well done. It elevated that match into a match that I'm actually looking forward to. Nakamura versus Balor I thought was well done for the TV time that it had. Um, Ali is always good. We finally have an opponent for Aleister Black. And even Nikki and Bailey, like I thought there was some forward momentum there. Yeah, this uh, enormously better show than Raw on Monday night. I totally bell curved this show and... Probably would give it a higher rating than a typical week. But, man, it was, yeah, back to earth. Hopefully. What is up with the inconsistency of, of all these shows? I have no idea. I have no idea what company I'm watching each week. We'll find out what happens on Sunday. Is, that, is this the type of product we're going to get? Maybe, like, you know, one show is all going to be awfully bad so that the, the other one feels really good. And then next week they'll switch so that by the end we'll just kind of, like, We'll be watching both shows to see which one might be the good one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> our new executive director is a 10-year-old. <laughs> might actually not be that bad, actually. Uh, so we head on over to the forum. Tonight, they gave this a 6.77. Wow. Yeah. Sure. There you go. A more positive view of Raw. Paul from New Jersey writes, Last night, I went to go watch the Home Run Derby and would miss Raw for the first time in a while. Sounds like I got lucky, and I don't think John was being too negative. SmackDown was pretty good tonight. The KO work shoot stuff was fun. Uh, 
Cesaro's playing the gatekeeper for Black Works. I just don't care about Shame or Romus. Shame or Roman. Yeah, no, the autocorrect was doing a, a number on Paul's. Yeah, man, Paul, this has killed him. Uh, when that's in the main event, it's easy to turn off the show early. Still a decent show. I'm going to Extreme Rules. The pay-per-view usually delivers. What main events? We'll talk about that in our preview. Okay. We got a mic from Minnesota who says, For me, tonight's show was a little up and down. I really like what they're doing with Kevin Owens. A babyface role like this can really show off his personality. I really enjoy Ali's promos. They just feel so different. I was liking the Bailey Bliss Cross storyline, but I do not want to see Cross in the match. I was hoping for a longer story of Cross being able to beat everyone that Bliss cannot beat. And it was a little strange to see Ziggler and Drew on the same side after the feud they had. I do have a question. With Eric running SmackDown and Paul running Raw, do you think they will slowly go back towards a solid brand split after Extreme Rules? Seems tricky to have two completely different people running the shows while having to work with the same storylines. I don't see any evidence that they're going to be doing that. Yeah, I think the reason why you're seeing the wild card is so that uh, Fox and uh, USA and really like the WWE, they are basically use, taking all the help that they can get to try to make sure that all their stars are on every show and uh, until yeah, definitely until you know uh, Fox starts happening, I don't see that changing at all. If in fact, I probably see it continuing even more. So it'll be really interesting to see how two you know, suppose it distinct uh, executive produced the executively directed shows may look like. Yeah. Also worth noting, they have stopped even bringing up the wild card. Like this week they didn't, I don't think they mentioned it. I think, I don't even think they mentioned it last week. So um, I, I I certainly have stopped counting or, or is anyone else? I don't think anyone is paying any attention to it. I just think they believe that anyone could be on any show. Okay. Can, can, can I try? You can try, sure. Okay. Is Ziggler Raw or SmackDown? SmackDown. Okay. I think. Yeah. Owens is SmackDown, right? Yep. Okay. Nakamura, Balor, both SmackDown. Yep. Um, how about, uh, okay, Drew, Raw. Yes. He showed up here. Joe, Raw. So two. Oh, yeah. Uh, Joe is Raw, right? Yeah. Yeah, he is. He is. Okay. Uh, Kofi, SmackDown. Nikki Raw. Nikki Cross is Ron Raw. Yes. Yeah. How about Carmella? Smackdown. She's Smackdown. I think so. The Iconics are both shows. Kabuki Warriors, Smackdown. I'm amazed that I even... I'm shocked you know this because I'm like getting stumped when you... Is Ember Moon is on Smackdown. She moved. She's Smackdown, yeah. Roman, Smackdown. New Day, Smackdown. Um, Heavy Machinery? They're Smackdown mm. too, right? I think they're SmackDown. Can I phone a friend? <laughs> um, I'm going to say SmackDown. Um, what else? So what is it? It's three? Three right now. So Moon, Rose, DeVille, I think all SmackDown. Ali, SmackDown. Alistair, Cesaro, four. Oh, Cesaro. Uh, and this is, that's four. So maybe okay. they're actually still keeping up with it. I think you're giving way too much credit that they... I mean, there's been plenty of weeks they've broken it. I don't think they're keeping tabs on any of this. So, anyway. (laughs) Uh, uh, Whose turn is it here? Yours. Uh, Jay from Colorado. That's going to be a pretty big meh for me on SmackDown, but streets ahead of Raw, for sure. Black versus Cesaro is actually making me interested in Extreme Rules. I miss Black's squeaky entrance thing. 
I wonder if he'll have that because he's now like a pretty different character from I think the last time we saw him in ring. I'm expecting this guy to come out with like the like the headset microphone, like reading classic literature or something as his entrance, wow. and he just projects to the screen. He's reading, so he's just like the pretentious the pretentious drama kid from high school. Exactly. Yeah, he'll have like a pointer, and he'll be like yeah. yelling at the audience his words. He'll be the guy who drinks the um, horchata from uh, American Vandal. Maybe instead of the, uh, he'll he'll rise up in a makeshift room and then he'll open the door and he's leaving his dark room. (laughs) A whole room? Yes. And then inside (laughs) the dark room is the the Alistair Black Mirror. Ooh, wow. That we can't see. This is um, how I keep myself entertained. There, I'm now. I'm disappointed that that we, we might be we might be getting the end of the dark room promos, but hopefully more uh, promos from Alistair Black to come. All right, let's take a quick look at this Extreme Rules pay per view happening on Sunday from Philadelphia at the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, they did officially announce this on Tuesday: the Revival versus the Usos for the Raw Tag Titles, involving two teams from Raw. Correct. Yes, I believe oh, so. So there we go. One for one on title matches. That makes sense. There's a few here that don't. Um, yeah. Th- is this a rematch? They've had matches before. Like like in the build up to this? I mean, they had a match on Monday. But against each other. Uh, I can check for you while no, you give okay. me your, your pick on who Man. won. This. Either my memory is just terrible or I just I've seen way too much. Anyway, uh, it's it's gonna be it. I, I look forward to the match. Like that's the thing is that with all the 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 builds to any of these TV shows, I think you can criticize them. But in ring, like these, the talent is there for all all of these to deliver. And even if this was a match that was only on the kickoff, um, I I mean, last month I feel the kickoff match was like one of the better shows of the whole show. So as long as they get the time, I think the revival and the Usos will have a really hot match. Didn't uh, didn't they have their match at Super Showdown? Revival and I'm, I'm I'm looking this up right now. I okay, thought that they had a match on the kickoff. It was the Usos defeated the Revival at Super Showdown. Super Showdown. Okay. Well, there yeah. you go. Okay. So it is a rematch. Uh, your prediction? Um, I think the Revival keeps it. I I just. This should be the start of something. I, I would hope that the revival should have the tag titles for a little bit. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I just don't see, you know, what hot potatoing the the titles at this point would do anything for anybody. Um, the revival have really, to me, yet to make their mark as tag team champions. This has not been a significant run at all. So that if the Usos, even if they did win it, it would just as much like mean nothing. So why not keep it and then get, prolong the chase a little? There's ten matches announced. They have not slated what is on the kickoff show so i guess this is a candidate the cruiserweight title match is probably the favorite um but yeah we'll see i really hope we get the same done by 10 30 that we got at stomping grounds that will automatically uh, i'll give this a thumbs in the middle just if we have an out time of like 10 30 well 10 matches i mean i feel like they they can get through that wwe typically when they have a card this long they'll do one of the matches that's like a minute right yes okay Braun Strowman, Bobby Lashley, last man standing match. This could be that. Well, this won't be the minute long match with if it's a last man standing match. Um, Maybe Braun's going to be all messed up in this match. I think he should continue to sell the injury. The man has a 
broken, ruptured spleen. You know, how, how, that, that would make the most sense. But it's also the thing Vince never does with his monsters is make them look vulnerable. Well, that's true. But how would you sell a ruptured spleen? Where is the spleen? I don't even really know. What the fuck is a spleen? Spleen is like, <laughs> spleen is like a little thing next to your uh, liver. Doesn't look fun when you rupture that. Isolate a body part. Work it over. Yeah, how would you sell a spleen? Ah, uh, like this one. God damn part. it, my spleen. <laughs> um, did you did you see? I have not seen the Batista twenty four yet, but I saw the clip that was circulating about Batista after the uh, "Give me what I want, give me yeah. what I want" promo, and yeah. he gets to the back, and Vince McMahon embraces him, and Batista's like, oh, "I screwed up some of my words," and Vince is like, "No, that means you're upset." Look, I'm so angry I can't even talk. <laughs> it was awesome. I, I would love to know that. Like that's such a great uh, get out of jail free card when you cut a bad promo. It's like, oh, it's it's real. I'm mad at the guy. <laughs> well, so many after hearing so many stories of like maybe Vince like you know uh, losing it on people for bad performances. It it was kind of nice to see like a clip like that where he's almost just saying, oh, it wasn't that bad. No, it's just, if, uh, the the mistakes helped. So I I just love that this this guy can watch that that disastrous promo and so have that reaction and then kevin owens and chris jericho was the worst match in wrestlemania history yeah. you know what i mean like yeah, you just don't know. know what this guy's gonna love and what he's gonna hate yeah and that's why these guys they drive themselves crazy because you're trying to uh appeal to a crazy man mm-hmm. um braun and lashley um i think it's all I, I'll really be disappointed if it's just both of them are fine and they have a match and this angle meant nothing at the end of it. I hope that that is not the case. And if that's so, I think Braun should be all fucked up as a result of it. To be honest, Lashley should too, but we've already established he's all recovered. Um, I think Braun will have a bandage over the spleen to show the spleen injury. And he's going to win this. What? And I think he's just going to win this and move on. Yeah, I think he he has to win. Uh, you know, because he was the one who uh, supposedly came out of that stunt more injured. I feel like he's going to be fighting from bottom. It's sort of like the only way they can make Lashley sort of, you know, the 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 favorite here and have Braun be the underdog. So I think it'll end with some big stunt. They kind of have to deliver on that. I feel that's to be expected with the last man standing match. What do you think, man? Do we get like a whole screen falling on somebody or like, um? electrocution oh god i i hope they don't do that as like they're out for this match they they've done their big stunt i don't think we need to come back with another one but it's a last uh, man standing match well they've done they've done non-finishes to last man standing matches before but with the build to this one i almost feel like you it demands it uh ricochet versus aj styles for the united states title um no commercial breaks that is the stipulation and (laughs) I see AJ <laughs> winning the title here. Uh, that's really interesting. Um, because I think the, in order to continue the feud, I agree with you. I think the heel should. But I more than likely, I predict a non-finish with Ricochet keeping the belt because he just held the belt. And uh, I think the club will get involved and we'll have to do this rematch at SummerSlam. And you're making this out to sound like a very disappointing show. Alistair Black and Cesaro, I think this ends with the Black Mass. Anything else, we're overcomplicating things. But 
I do hope that they get like 10 minutes here. Yeah, I hope so too. It'll be really interesting because I mean, if if we're to believe this current character, I mean, this will be Alistair Black probably wrestling as a as a heel, which will be different from how we've seen him prior to this. Um, so does he does his style change at all? He's got a very fan friendly babyface style, I would say. Um, but I agree. I think Alistair Black needs to win this one. It's it's been months of this guy not wrestling. Uh, for him to lose his first match after a a a, a long hiatus. Well, that would be unimaginable, John. They would never do that. I'm just wondering what they're going to do to change this guy. Like he's going to have some finish like called the lights out or something like that. Because his gimmick now is the dark room. Well, I mean, his name is already Alistair Black. So you're halfway there. Yeah. Daniel Bryan and Rowan, the New Day and Heavy Machinery for the SmackDown tag titles. I think Brian and Rowan are so great, uh, or Brian specifically as the promo uh, and him, what he's what he's trying to establish right now as you know trying to be the saviors of this tag team division. I don't think they've reached their potential with that yet at all. But ultimately, I feel like Heavy Machinery will be the ones to take the belts off of Brian and Rowan. They are they seem to be the pet projects right now. Um, but I don't think this match is the time yet. I <laughs> I think you'll get a, a retention from Brian and Rowan. Um, probably pinning the New Day, and Heavy Machinery Machinery will challenge Brian and Rowan at another time. Yeah, it's a lot of these outcomes. Like, yeah, there's a few where it's like you can see, like an Alistair Black Cesaro. Like, it's obvious. Like, they're pushing one guy, and the other one's kind of there to get him over. But in so many of these cases, it's like, does it matter who has the tag titles? Does it matter which has the U.S. title between AJ and Ricochet? It just feels like the, the, these titles are so trivial that it's just it's just hot potato with the titles, and it's going to be the same picture, uh, the same participants in each feud for the titles. Sure, yeah. Um, that's kind of what happens when you have a lot of shows to fill, right? Uh, but y- you could be right. Maybe it's a lot of, you know, may- way too many title defenses and not enough wins. So maybe one of these has to be sort of a bit of an upset. Drew Gulak versus Tony Nese for the Cruiserweight title uh, with the story that Gulak won the title by pinning Akira Tozawa, but not the defending champion, Tony Nese. So thus we have our rematch. Uh, This will be uh, a big weekend for Gulak because he's taking on Matt Riddle the night before. No title at stake in that one at the Evolve show in Philadelphia. So um, if he has a really kick-ass match the night before, he might have some added intrigue in this match if he's coming off like a really hot show on Saturday which I think that Evolve show will be potentially yeah I mean I feel like if you know who Drew Gulak is you're you're probably well if I don't know how much of a crossover I suppose is is what I'm trying to say you know um I think you already know who Drew Gulak is if you're gonna watch that Evolve show but um it's interesting to see it, how they'll book him in the Riddle match because I certainly don't see him beating Matt Riddle. Yet I can't see Drew Gulak losing to Tony Nese on the day after. And it's so. tough; he's in his hometown too. So, man, what do you do? Yeah, you don't well, you don't just put him over. You mean the Evolve show? Well, both. He's from. He lives in Philadelphia. Oh, they're both in Philadelphia. No, it's Gulak is 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 Nice is from New York. No, I mean both shows. <laughs> oh, both. Yeah, both shows are. We're, in Philadelphia. We're in a, who's on first? Uh, little um uh yes evolve and extreme rules are in philadelphia right um i 
I wouldn't hate if Drew Gulak beat Matt Riddle. But I don't see that happening because they, they they seem to be um, saving Matt Riddle for more. Yeah, I, I don't either. Yeah, but I, I certainly think he'll beat Tony Nese here. Um, he yep. just won the belt. He's he's coming in, I think, with a, a much renewed, uh, um, I guess, uh, potential for the division. Uh, I like the new Drew Gulak a lot. I'm looking forward to seeing the match. This is all just keeping the title warm from Mike Canellis, who's going to win it and then be told by Maria, he's not even a real man. He's only the cruiserweight champion. Ouch. Bailey defends the SmackDown women's title in a two-on-one handicap match. Uh, this is something right out of WCW, but has also been a storyline I've enjoyed, in particular Nikki Cross. And I, I could certainly see Charlotte being involved here, or at the very least, Bliss and Cross... Uh, winning the titles and then that setting up the program, which I think is more interesting, or they just lose and then they come to have their their feud, which doesn't it certainly doesn't need to involve the title. I can say that as well as an argument to keep it on Bailey. It's true. It's true. If you're looking at this card though and thinking about you know what titles make sense to switch, to me this would be sort of at the top of the list of belts that I think can change and. You know, like we we mentioned, Bliss and Cross seems to be the A program right now. And anything, anything Bailey's been involved with almost seems secondary. So if they do make the title switch, I think it would probably benefit uh, certainly Bliss and Cross and the division as a whole. Um, Bailey, I don't know. She could do something else. Uh, do you think we get Sasha? You don't think so? I'll say no. I, I think that this show really needs her. Yeah, I mean, so much of it depends on, you know, what plans they have for her at SummerSlam. I think if the Kabuki Warriors beat the Iconics before that, I think a Bailey and Sasha versus the Kabuki Warriors would be a great SummerSlam match. Um, maybe I could see them doing that. I think you do. I, my My prediction is that we do get Sasha. I will say, like, Sasha deciding to leave as she has... It's totally, to me, re-energized her for if she, you know, if she comes back. Like, yeah. I think there is, like, she feels like it's a whole new start whenever she comes back. And she's also left at a time when, I mean, I think she'd be a great addition to either women's division at this point. Like, they they need people like her. She took her ball and went home. And now she's the hottest free agent. Kofi Kingston versus Samoa Joe for the WWE Championship. I feel this is going to be something like Kofi either gets a fluke win and Joe then chokes him out and gets the, well, look at him versus look at me after the match type of uh, setup. I think this should extend to SummerSlam. I hope this does is more than a one-match program, but uh, I don't see Joe leaving with the title after this pay-per-view. I'm predicting the first half of, of what you suggested comes true. I think Joe chokes Kofi out or just beats him to a bloody pulp with Kofi ultimately winning. But I think this is a perfect place for Brock Lesnar to cash in and defeat Kofi Kingston for that belt so that we get the rematch between Kofi Kingston and Brock Lesnar with Kofi Kingston chasing at SummerSlam. That's that's a very viable possibility. Uh, yeah, I forgot about the Brock thing that they set up on Monday. Yeah, that would be me. I think that would be the, the program to do it with, is with Kofi, not with Seth. Uh, the Undertaker and Roman Reigns versus Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre. Um, after watching this tonight, I really wish they had this idea with Owens for weeks and weeks, and it led to, like, imagine if they had been teasing this dissension between Owens and Shane, with Owens starting off as, you know, Shane's 
this kiss ass to Shane and all these little comments just start building up and up and Owens is starting to get irritated with Shane and it culminates with the match we got on Monday, but it's a hidden figure and it turns out to be Kevin Owens who has finally turned babyface and has come to Roman Reigns who needs a partner and that's the match for Sunday. I think that would have been so much more intriguing than this Undertaker match that I, I just I find this to be very flat. As a story, I think that would make a lot more sense than The Undertaker simply appearing from out of nowhere. But it's clear that they, they want to take advantage of that star power that The Undertaker has. And I guess this is the only do, place... Do you think he means anything on this show? Like, I just don't feel it. But maybe I'm too uh, in this bubble. I think he adds something, you know? Uh, um, like, I think he adds a lot more star power than obviously somebody like Kevin Owens. Um, I will say maybe for people who have seen his recent appearances... The idea of seeing The Undertaker again probably doesn't mean a whole lot. Um, but maybe they're not after that fan. Maybe they're after the type of fan who is giving the WWE Network a, taking advantage of that 99-cent deal to, you know, watch The Undertaker on a Sunday. And then the main event, Seth maybe Rollins. Uh, I think that you're going to have... It has I to th- be Taker, doesn't it? Or uh, Roman. Roman. I think Roman's pinning Shane in this. Or is he pinning Drew with the ultimate goal to eventually avenge Shane, uh, his loss to Shane? Uh, I, I, I would hate if we've got another month of Roman and Shane to Isn't that shore the up ultimate that, destination? that loss. Because what else is Roman doing for SummerSlam? And then maybe you get Ro- uh, Taker and Drew. I think Taker and Drew, 100%. I, I think right. that that... From the get-go, I think, is where this was going. Um, so, I, you know, you could do something where, where Drew pins The Undertaker in this, and that leads to the reason for the match at SummerSlam. Or you could do... Man, you can't pin The Undertaker just like that, though. Well, you're, this to me, it's like the only reason The Undertaker should be here is for Drew. Right, yeah. Um, but now, who takes the pinfall, I guess, is the question. Well, if you have The Undertaker take the pin, it's something memorable. It's something notable. Um, I don't see Roman losing, and I don't see Drew losing. Uh, So your options are Taker or Shane taking the fall in this. I think Shane could take the fall, but I don't think he will because he has. What if it's what if it's The Undertaker pinning Shane, and then Roman Um, still has not got his fall on Shane, and everyone else is protected? I think they've been so protective of Shane though that. Ultimately, like I, I believe they will want to keep him strong so that Roman will ultimately be the one to beat him. Therefore, I think it'll be Roman <laughs> pinning Drew because Drew can lose. You know, he's I feel like he's he lost to Roman last time, right? You are right about Roman and Shane. And I think ultimately it's like everything they're building up to is that Shane is all over TV and it's a loser leaves town match or something with Roman and Shane and Roman sending Shane home with Owens thrown in there somewhere. Yeah, Owens is in this whole thing too. So you're right. Like that's um yeah, he'll probably that's, get involved, maybe. He probably gets involved in some I'm going to say Shane takes the fall in this. That'll be my prediction. Yeah, they could get away with that. I'm going to predict Drew with Roman uh pinning him, but I either way I predict the baby face is winning. And then Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch versus Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans in the Winners take all mixed tag team extreme rules match for the WWE Universal Championship and the WWE Raw Women's Championship in a last chance match for Corbin and Evans. 
This this stipulation, dude, is two lines on Wikipedia. Well, on my screen, it's three. Oh, my but God. um, depends on your font size. I um, guess so. Does this main event? Yes, I think you I think could go with the Taker match, but I feel they're going to go with this. I think so too. I don't feel like you know the amount of buzz for Kofi Kingston versus Samoa Joe to be in that spot. I don't even really feel it for Taker and Reigns. So. This is Rollins and Becky Lynch teaming up together. I think this will be the main event. Um, uh, any chance for Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans to be double champions by the end of the night? No. No. I think no. Becky is... I think you could get something... We'll see how they, they lay this out. But the idea of Baron tapping out to the Disarmor, I see is very possible. Didn't she do that? Uh, who did she beat? Canellis. She Canellis. beat like Canellis. Yes, that was some that was kind of confusing because like why why was she allowed to tap out a man? Because that's that was the rule last week because it made it was what they wanted to do last week and then this week they were uh, acknowledging the actual rules that they had set up. So it's all in what is the best idea for tonight and has nothing to do with structure or any semblance of logic. So with this being an extreme rules match, though. Does that mean well that means Becky can probably tap Corbin? I guess so, yes. That's my my prediction. Becky pins Baron Corbin. I think so too. I think so too. Um and they'll want that that picture everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, I you know, I have enough confidence that I think the because especially if this is going to be a main event, they will lay this one out with some clever spots like we kind of got previews of on Monday. Um Without the the commercial bullshit attached to it, I think it could actually be kind of fun. Okay, I'm gonna isolate that clip and I'll play it back on Sunday. <laughs> I said kind of fun. I do not have high hopes for this one, but yeah i I think it'll be better than the individual singles matches we got at Stomping Grounds. But that is faint praise uh, when comparing. But we'll see. Um, you know, with Stomping Grounds, it ended up turning into a pretty good show. This one. I think it has the potential. Like when you look at this lineup, like again, it's, it's always the case. Once you get to the pay per views, like I, I feel this will be a good show. I don't know if it's going to be a great show. Uh, I don't know if in a weekend where we're going to be getting uh, Fight for the Fallen, two G ones, the Evolve show. I don't know if this is going to be no. among the best shows of the weekend. But I think that this will be. Um, I think it's going to be be fine and maybe overachieve. I think it'll overachieve. I mean, that, but that's because I think our expectations are always so low for all of these shows. Like, like going back to, man, <laughs> Stomping Grounds was, we had low expectations for us. Super Showdown, we certainly had low expectations for. And that show, I don't even remember it by now. What was before that? Uh, before Stomping Grounds, it was Super Showdown. Sorry, before Super Showdown. Uh, before Super Showdown, it was Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank. I don't remember shit from like anything. So, uh, I anyway, yeah, I I agree. I think I think um, I think like storyline wise, the, if we get a Brock Lesnar cash in for 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 this show, on top of actually, that would probably be the only big thing. Yeah, um, I think that I think that. There's a very good shot of that happening. You're right. With SummerSlam coming up, they need to set that up. And Kofi is probably the best person for Brock at SummerSlam. I wouldn't be upset with that at all. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to get Charlotte involved, too. Maybe this doesn't happen at the pay-per-view. Maybe it's the next night. But 
I mean, I, I, I think that the, the women's division, like it is really missing Charlotte in there and coupled with Sasha. Like, I, I think that that's really kind of hurt things. And it's pretty much been the, the star of the women's division over the last month has been, it's been the character work of Nikki Cross more so than any of the in ring stuff. Sure. Yeah. She's been getting a shot. Lacey Evans, of course, has been getting a lot of TV time. Um, but it, I would say that's kind of to the detriment of everybody else in in the division. There are a lot of people in those women's divisions that seem to be just in the back burner without anything to do. All right. So before we go of uh, Extreme Rules, Fight for the Fallen, I'll group the G1 together and Evolve. Rank for me your most anticipated in order. Um, I think it would be the G1. Um. Probably the A Block uh, show on Sunday. Okay. Um, I'm looking forward to the B Block show as well on Saturday. I think those two are one and two, followed by uh, Fight for the Fallen, and then mm, honestly, like the Evolve show, I'm sure it will be a good show. But there's a great deal of the the roster that I'm not all that familiar with, and ultimately, it's like. I'm sure Adam Cole and Akira Tozawa will have a great match. Um, but it's just like, is it a match I, I'm dying to see? Not really. So maybe Extreme Rules ahead of that. Okay. Interesting. How about so you? There. Um, yeah, I put the G1 shows at the top, followed by... I think I'd put AEW there. Followed by Evolve, followed by Extreme Rules. Right now, I'm I'm pretty lo- uh, I'm looking forward to the Evolve show. My issue is that I don't know when I'm going to have any time to watch that this weekend. So I don't even know if I'm going to get to watch that until like Monday afternoon or something. So I'm not even going into this weekend thinking I might get around to watching that show. We'll see. Well, that's why we have up next. Braden and Davey will be reviewing that show along with uh, NXT, of course, this week. So uh, also on that show, Drew Gulak versus Matt Riddle, which I, I am quite looking forward to so yes yeah um thursday if we have some time we'll go through the aew show and also look at the the evolve card as well we just we knew we'd have very little time on the hangout so we want to get the extreme rules preview out tonight so that's going to bring an end to the show thank you to everyone who tuned in tonight um also want to make mention uh as we're getting closer and closer to SummerSlam weekend a reminder that way and i are going to be doing post wrestling live in toronto on sunday august the 11th yes is that it sunday yes, august the 11th 1 p.m at the john candy box theater at second city in downtown toronto it's about 10 minutes away from the scotia bank arena uh, go to postwrestling.com slash live tickets are available now uh 25 for tickets 20 if you are a member of the post wrestling cafe uh we've been very happy with the numbers so far uh but tickets are still available so you can go uh, check that out postwrestling.com slash live uh, any closing words, way to leave us with? Any words of wisdom? Any advice just for us in life? Um, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs>